Welcome to Wide Awake. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ, new to the faith, or someone who may be skeptical about the claims of Christ, we hope these next few minutes will build you up, encourage you, and help you wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ. Well, hello, I'm Chris Clark, the host for Wide Awake today, and we've got Jeff Lawrence, our lead pastor of Redemption Church, back in the studio. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good. Good to be back in the saddle, get going again this week. Yeah, did you get some time away? Where were you? We did. I got down to Broken Bow, perfect week with the leaves mm. changing, and got to go on a hike, got to do a lot of reading, hang out with my wife, and Ann and I had a good time. Good, good. And also, we have Chase Ifland, who... Got to travel a little bit last week, too. You went down to Dallas for, what, what were you down there for? Yeah, it was a little uh, conference for groups, pastors, and ministers, so it was a good time. Not as uh, restful as Jeff. I, uh, I was telling Chris earlier, I came back. It was really good, which was a good thing, but also a bad thing, because I feel like my head is spinning with lots of things that we could do and implement and all that, but don't have the time and space to do all, everything. I understand that world. I get that. Well, let's jump in. All right, so I'm jumping off a little bit today, and sometimes when you you guys have the experience when you're reading the Bible and just a phrase or a single statement jumps out and grabs you, and I kind of had that this week in Acts four. One of those uh, one of those statements jumped out at me, and Luke's writing about how Peter and John were seized by the religious leaders, and they were questioned because they did this awful thing of healing a lame a lame guy, and uh, so awful, it's just so terrible, right? <laughs> and I mean, no, we wouldn't want anything like that, like helping people uh, as religious leaders. But it wasn't just that they healed a guy, but then they said that we did this through the name of Christ, and they began to preach about Jesus and the resurrection, and that ruffled their feathers. And so these guys grabbed them and they investigated and uh, kind of scolded them and sent them out and told them, do not speak in the name of this one anymore. So there's this like tense scene that's taking place. And you have to remember these guys were, uh, you know, these were the same leaders that were in the same town where Jesus was killed and crucified. So uh, this, this had some real implications. But when it says, when they were released, when Peter and John were released by the religious leaders, and here's the statement that, that just grabbed my attention. It said, they went to their friends. Hmm. And I just, it, it shocked, you know, just kind of stuck out to me how beautiful that simple statement is that when they experienced this kind of spiritual setback, that these men who were apostles, they were bold, they were super, uh, kind of had, had deep faith. Uh, when they experienced a the hardship, they wanted to go be with their friends. And and I so relate to that. Yep. And I think it's one of those things that, when I look at it and you experience a hardship in your life and your family and your work and your personal experience, a lot of times, you know, we, we can we can tend to withdraw, but there's also this kind of complimentary desire that just says, Man, I want to go be with be with my my people. And I want some people to encourage me in that. And so that's what when when I when I read that this this past week, I just thought, man, that that's what I want church to be. Yeah. And that's what it's supposed to be. And in the early church, when they experienced that, they ran towards one another as a place to gather, to keep them on mission, to lift them up, to carry them forward. And so I want us to talk about, about friendship today and just what does it look like for us to have deep, meaningful, spiritual friendships and, and what keeps us from, from experiencing those kinds of things. And then I want us to come around and actually look, from, look at a church uh, history, from, uh, a story from church history where we saw that some some of the ramifications of what happens when people do find a deep spiritual and vital movement that God's created through through their relationships. 
I love that. Such a great topic for, I feel like where we are even coming out of pandemic and just still with some of the political environment that exists today and just all the differences that we have. We, you know, are we running to our friends? Do we have deep, meaningful friendships that we feel safe enough to talk about the things of life, but also to go deeper and get into some spiritual matters? And it's interesting, you bring up, you know, just the kind of cultural moment we're in or the time that we're in, in in this period. And and you think of the racial tension, you think of the political tensions, you think of the economic struggles that are going on. We're entering into an election uh, month and a lot of things going on. And, and you think, wow, what does it look like for us to rally together? And actually the church history kind of example we're going to talk about came came about during a very similar time where God moved in a pretty radical way in a in a pretty similar time period in the history of our country. So let's talk about spiritual friendships. Let's talk about why they're important and then also the types of things that bring life and depth to those friendships. Absolutely. If it's okay, I'd like to talk about what I'm experiencing right now in some of my spiritual friendships, two spiritual practices that are happening right now that I think are changing me. Like I'm reminded of how important these things are. It's two things. It's a prayer meeting on Thursdays and it's meeting with a group of guys on Wednesday mornings to talk about the Bible. And those two things, when I look back at my week, those are where my heart has felt most encouraged, most connected to God, and most connected to others. And it's interesting that they're connected to spiritual practices, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what we see in the book of Acts is the, the early church is worshiping together. They're praying together. They're, they're doing the spiritual life together. They're, they're moving towards God together. Let me circle back too, because I realized just saying like a prayer meeting and meeting with a group of guys like that, that to a listener might sound like, man, that's really bizarre or weird. And I don't know how I would ever get to a place where I'm like meeting with a group of guys or just going to a prayer meeting. And those things are so simple. It's like carving out an hour of the day to sit around a table and simply pray together. The men's group that we're meeting with, we meet for an hour and we just come into the room wherever we are with donuts and coffee and we read a small portion of scripture together and we just talk about life and we talk about God's truth applying to our life. And they're very profound. They're one hour, right? You know what's what's interesting about just seeing a random thread that kind of seems to be popping up or coming through this conversation. But, you know, what you're talking about is that there has to be something intentional that moves us beyond Mm -hmm. just the normal conversations about football, sourdough bread, and work, and gets us into some other place where, and and what I love about the Acts 4 stuff is they went to the friends and it says that they lifted up their voices together. They, They prayed and they sought the Lord together. And what's interesting to me is, Chase, you started this conversation saying you'd been at a conference talking about groups and all the complexity and all the opportunities and all the things you have to do. And it, it can sometimes feel hard. Like, how do we get everyone to experience this? And how do we do that? And that's part of our job. Part of our task is to try to get people connected in in, in friendships and relationships and community where these kinds of things are happening. And it can feel complex. But I also, I want to push, just, just remember and kind of point back to what we started with. Like there's this simple statement of these guys experienced a hardship and it says they went to their friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's something that's just natural and organic and in some ways pretty simple. Yeah. Like they went to their friends and they're like, man, let's pray. 
you know, let's let's seek the Lord together somehow. And it, that doesn't happen if you're not intentional, if you're not fostering relationships. Um, but but I think that's an interesting connection to this, and and maybe that leads us into a little bit another cover, uh, second part of the conversation, which is what keeps us from experiencing those things. Yeah. Like, what are the barriers or the things that, that prevent us from experiencing those kinds of friendships and 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 kind of get in the way? Yeah, yeah. I think just the the individualistic culture we live in certainly is a barrier. Uh, both on the one hand, because we live individualistic lives. And so sometimes we feel the pull to press in with our friends, but other times we feel the pull to just withdraw to our own homes. Um, but then also the the threat of individualism that uh, wants comfort and happiness in all things. And so we often see prayer, uh, what what these guys were doing in, in the book of Acts, as uh, something that removes hardship from our lives, but that's not what they were doing in Acts. They're actually praying for boldness in the midst of the obstacles. And so often we, we see prayer as something that we do to remove obstacles instead of something we, we gather with people when we pray for boldness in the midst of those obstacles. And so I think that that's something you know, that, that's a shift. If I, I, let me just be completely honest. I don't even know what an influencer is when I think about <laughs> social media. Like yeah, I hear that all the time. I honestly don't know what one is. I'm kind of glad but, you don't. But I kind of have this. I kind of have this picture in my brain of people that put out really beautiful images and, and really perfect scenarios and then throw a verse on top of it. And and that's supposed to be the image. And mm-hmm. I think that flies in the face of this. And when yeah. I hear you when I hear you talk about that, that popped in my head of. Yeah. You know, we sometimes get this weird thing in in Western Christianity that God's supposed to make your life perfect yep. and and comfortable and beautiful and wealthy and that, that there's this weird like underbelly yeah. sometimes that shows up there that I think pushes against us running to the Lord with kind of a sense of desperation and total dependence upon Him. I would I would say I would add to that and just say that shallowness is probably one of our bigger barriers right now for relationships and deep friendships. And what I mean by that is I think because of technology, because of communication and the information age we live in, we're able to have lots and lots and lots of connections with people, but they don't go very deep. And so it's sort of scratching the itch of community. It's like, ah, I I sort of feel connected, Mm -hmm. but it's leaving us wanting more. And so I think there's something to be said about presence, which I think is that intentionality. It's a prayer meeting. It's a, a a group of guys getting together. It's X, Y, or Z, where people actually get in a room together. They go to their friends physically and they sit in a room together, they look each other in the eyes, they laugh, they talk, they maybe get fired up over a conversation. There's something that's irreplaceable there that I think pushes us into a deeper spiritual level that God intended for us. And I think, you know, as I think about the the book of Acts and the guys that we're looking at, Peter and John here and this, this story, um, you know, as you talk about the surface thing, it's not enough to put kind of a Jesus sticker on the back of your car, you know, like, Hey, I run 26.1 miles. I, my kids go to this school and, you know, I'm in the, I'm into the Jesus thing. But when you look at these guys, they, they thought Jesus changed everything. Like there was a sense that, man, this was a radical moment when Jesus stepped out of the grave victorious and had paid for their sins and they were forgiven and they had new life and the spirit had come that, Man, everything had changed, yeah, and right. that that radically shifted kind of their relational 
kind of connection that they had for one another. And so I wonder, you know, as you were talking, what what does it look like for us to move beyond that surface and to engage with one another like Jesus really changes everything? Well, let's just take it one one level deeper since we're talking about shallowness. It it really is is can God and Jesus do what he said and says he can do for us, which is to take away our sin and to give us life abundantly. And at the end of the day, I think what drives community and relationships is exactly what drove these disciples to run to one another. Something's broken. Something's off. Somebody's screaming and yelling at me. I might get my head cut off for this, and I need somebody to remind me that God is true, that God is who he says he is, and there's power in those relationships. And I think at the end of the day, that's what we're all searching for. When, when we look for a, a spiritual friendship, we want somebody where we can just bear it all, like, or somebody who can, who can bear with us when we just need to like, lay it out on the table and say, this is what's really going on. This horrific thing, whether it's an illness or a family member, you know, some kind of tension that's going on in the family, whatever it is, it ne- there needs to be a safe place to lay that out. And then for friends to come back to what Scripture says and what the gospel says about God and to move forward in that and to find healing in life. Yeah, and if we really believe that, that following Jesus changes everything, then the natural response for Peter and John was to this opposition was to go back to their friends and to pray. If we don't believe that, then the natural response to the hardship is to sit on the couch and watch Netflix because we just got to— uh, we just got to get over it and get on, move on with our lives. But if we really believe that, that Jesus changes everything, that God is who he says he is, and that we have a community of people around us who also believe that, then in the opposition, in the hardship, we will go to those people and pray to God together. Yeah, I think it, one of the, the things that happens a lot is we over-idealize acts. And I completely agree with what you guys are saying on this. I think it's helpful for me to even remember, what did they pray for? They prayed for boldness, which meant they knew they needed some help. Like these guys didn't have it all figured out. They were scared. They they were, you know, kind of shaken in some ways. And and they they had been rocked by this whole experience. And so they're going, man, let's pray for boldness. They didn't ask God, would you just make everything easy? Would you take all the problems away? Would you remove all the obstacles for us? They said, God, would you make us bold? Because they realized, man, I need God, I need God to do something in my own life in my own heart to help me to live this out. And I think that's really important for us to to acknowledge and to say that. And I think that's part of why corporate prayer matters, why we, why we need to have these friendships and relationships is because we don't have it all together. Jeff, one of the things you said this last Sunday that really stood out to me was that prayer and worship are the fuel that powers the engine of a glad-hearted, bold church. Uh, that's a pretty profound statement. So prayer and worship being the fuel that powers an engine, right? Something that moves the church forward in both things, gladheartedness and boldness. Yeah, I think for me, part of what what drove that was when you think about a movement of God, when you're asking God to move his people out and to make a difference in the world, and that's what what we see in Acts is they're saying, 
go be my witnesses. And they're going out and telling people about Jesus. They're seeing the lame that are healed. They're, uh, they're connecting around meals and they're praying together and they're daily connecting in friendships and relationships. And so you see this movement that's taking place. And what we see in the book of Acts is that prayer and worship fuel that movement. They become the thing that empowers it. And I think that's important. And so I've mentioned earlier, I wanted to share one story. I've been reading just about revival as I've kind of prepared for the series of Acts and just praying and asking the Lord to do something in us, but also in our world. I think we see the, the state that our world is in, and we know that we need a move of God in our world. Going back to another time in our country's history, there, there was a revival called the Businessmen's Revival. It is what, they, what it's become known as. It's pre-Civil War, so that's a pretty anxious time in the, in the life of our country in uh, 18, kind of 57 to 59 period. But there's severe racial tensions. You had 4 million slaves. Population had exploded and in our cities up to about 31 million. And so there's kind of populations uh, kind of overcrowding in cities. There's gang riots in New York City's on the fourth New York City on the Fourth of July. Protestants and Catholics are fighting. You've got Irish and Italian immigrants fighting with other immigrants. You've got all these things that are happening. And then in October of 1857, a stock market crashed, and there was a run on a bank three days later in New York City that crippled the whole financial system. The banks closed down in Boston shortly after that. And you just can, as you look at the history, as I was reading about the history, you can feel, to me, so many similarities to even our world. You know, where there's economic tensions, there's political tensions, there's ethnic um, tensions that are taking place. And this led to a crisis for many. And there was a guy who was a pastor, Jeremiah Calvin Lamphere, who had an idea to invite men to pray at their lunch hour. I think he figured guys, you know, were out of work, didn't have stuff to do. Let's get together and pray at lunch hour. They've got a little more time on their hands. And so he had this, this idea of just getting people together to pray. And the first day... Uh, first 30 minutes, no one showed up at all. And about six guys showed up a little bit late, uh, and they prayed that day. The next week, 20 men showed up. The next month, 30 men showed up. And uh, by uh, by the month of November, 200 men were showing up, and they had to find a bigger room. Hmm. It's interesting. They, had, they only had two rules. They, had, they said no controversies allowed, meaning you can't come in ready to fight about something. And no one can talk more than five minutes, meaning there was no single leader, but this thing was going to be about God. Um, and I love how simple that is. It, we're going to get together during our business lunch hour. We're going to pray. No one's going to fight over anything, and no one's going to monopolize the time, and we're just going to seek the Lord together. I love that. And uh, I think it was so cool. And so here's what happened out of that. Uh, by the next year, 1858, that meeting grew to more than 10,000 men praying together at lunch every single day. Wow. Can you imagine what that would look like just in a in about a six-month period of time, this explosion from six dudes showing up 30 minutes late to over 10,000 men praying every single day? It's like I get goosebumps thinking about what that would look like. It then spread to other cities. Philadelphia, they had 3,000 that were praying. Chicago had another 2,000. Cleveland had 2,000 people every single day, wow. men that were praying together. There's stories of policemen that were shocked that they, you know, the work that they had done and fearing for their lives and fighting in conflicts were now surprised by joy and kindness erupting between rich and poor, black and white, mm -hmm. and seeing ethnicities and backgrounds that were coming together and, and sharing life together. And then over three years, almost 500,000 people became Christians during that period of time. And I, I read that story and I share all that just to say, 
it's amazing to me what happens when people who are faced with hardship run to one another and begin to seek the Lord. And I long to see a movement like that take place in, in our world, and I think our world needs it. But when you guys hear that story, what, what stands out to you? Man, so much. The What a fun story. Uh, it feels like it parallels Acts, which is what we've been studying almost perfectly. Like it's it's almost the same exact recipe, you know? Like they get together and they pray and they ask God to move and, and meet their needs, and he answers. And like thousands and thousands of people are getting saved and, and meeting and praying, and so I love that. Um, but I think secondly, I just love the simplicity of it. I think we try to make the things so complicated. Like, what's what's the brand? What's the you know the right podcast to listen to? What do I you know? How do I insert myself into the right church structure and all these things? And and yet, it could be as simple as just getting together with a handful of guys or gals and praying and seeking the Lord together. And He might answer that prayer. That's. Profound. Yeah, I was also going to say the simplicity, but since you took that, I'll go different direction. Uh, the fact that they gathered just simply to pray, but then the result was five hundred thousand people came to faith. Like they, they weren't trying to win over the world. They weren't trying to, you know, use the best strategy. They just, they just prayed, and then God moved and, and worked. And so, uh, it's such a simple place to start, um, but uh, God can do profound things. Yeah, as you guys connect the dots between Acts and between the story of the businessman's revival, I think those are the things that jump out to all to each of us. Were the simplicity of people that were experiencing a hardship that that they chose in the midst of that to run to their friendships, but the, they wanted the those friendships to be spiritually driven. They wanted those to be centered around the person of Jesus, and so they sought Him, and they sought Him through prayer, they sought Him through worship. And, uh, and it really was pretty simple, but God did something pretty amazing. And I think for us, as we, as we think about our week, I think that's the question that we ought to ask is, where are the spiritual friendships you're going to run to mm-hmm. in the midst of life that you're going to seek the Lord together? And what would it look like if we were as dependent upon the Lord as they were, if we desired a boldness as they did, and if we trusted the Lord and, and sought the Lord in a, in a similar way? And man, that's what that's what I'm hungry to see in my life and in in our church and in our city and in our world. Thanks again for listening to Wide Awake. Wide Awake is produced by Redemption Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If what we talked about today resonated, please subscribe to our podcast and share this episode with a friend. Also, we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or topics that you would like for us to cover, you can email us at wideawake at redemptionokc.com. Lastly, if you're looking for more ways to wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday worship gatherings. We gather each week at 1030 a.m. to grow as followers of Christ. You can also join us by watching online at redemptionokc.com. All are welcome. The only requirement is to come as you are. Until next time, may the light of Christ shine on you.